RT8K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top stories, the security chief says he may set up a new department to implement Beijing's national security legislation. Officials here hit back after President Trump sets out his response to the new law. And protests erupt across the United States as a police officer is charged with the murder of an African-American man. The Secretary for Security, John Lee, has set out how Hong Kong is preparing for Beijing's new security law. One possibility he's studying is creating a dedicated department for national security matters. Joanne Wong has more. Security Secretary John Lee went on the offensive on a radio show after Washington announced that it would begin to revoke Hong Kong's special economic treatment and sanction officials here and across the border. Mr. Lee says the U.S. won't win by threatening SAR officials because he and his colleagues believe in what they're doing. He revealed that he's already making plans for implementing Beijing's national security law. That includes studying whether a new department should handle national security matters and whether there's a need to find new recruits or implement special training to enforce the legislation. The security chief also defended a statement by the Ministry of Public Security which said that it would guide and support Hong Kong police to stop violence and restore order. Mr. Lee says this will simply be a form of exchange between law enforcement agencies that isn't in breach of the basic law. He said mainland agents working here would have to obey local laws. And he downplayed fears that media outlets will get into trouble for reporting on opinions by Hong Kong independence advocates or mainland dissidents. He says press freedom is guaranteed by the basic law, and journalists won't be deemed to have the intention to commit such a crime if, as he put it, they report the news truthfully. Justice Secretary Theresa Cheng has accused Donald Trump of making a completely false statement after the US president said that a new national security law meant Beijing was now implementing one country, one system in Hong Kong. Ms Cheng was among the first Hong Kong officials to respond hours after Mr Trump said in Washington that he was beginning the process of withdrawing Hong Kong's special trade status and sanctioning officials here. It is said that uh, we are becoming one country, one system and we've lost the autonomy. Now, that is completely false and wrong. As a matter of fact, people often forget that Hong Kong SAR is part of China. We are one country, and without one country, there isn't any basis to talk about two systems. And therefore, insofar as the national security is concerned, as in any other country in the world, this is a matter that belongs to the central authorities. Business groups have been reacting to President Trump's decision overnight to begin withdrawing Hong Kong's special economic status. The American Chamber of Commerce said it was a sad day and its members would seek to retain Hong Kong's status as a business centre. Felix Chung, the leader of the business-friendly Liberal Party, said tariffs, travel restrictions and sanctions would not have a huge impact. But he criticised Mr Trump for contradicting his pledge not to harm ordinary Hong Kong people and said the business sector would suffer from the uncertainty. Of course, it's very disappointed to hear this and that might have serious economic effects to Hong Kong business sector. Certainly, we do not know when he is going to do it, but there's no timetable. But certainly, I believe that he will do it very soon. Overall, it will not affect Hong Kong too much. But having said that, that creates uncertainty and unstable situation for the business sector for future investment. 
In other news, unrest over the killing of an unarmed African-American man at the hands of police has spread across the United States. Protesters clashed with police in several cities. They set fire to a police vehicle and vandalised a building in Atlanta. The White House was briefly put under lockdown and clashes were reported in New York, Denver and Fontana, California. The protesters want more police officers to face justice after one, Derek Chauvin, was charged in Minneapolis where the victim, George Floyd, was killed. The mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, condemned the violence. You are disgracing our city. You are disgracing the life of George Floyd and every other person who has been killed in this country. We are better than this. We're better than this as a city. We are better than this as a country. Go home. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. Back locally, the Chief Executive has appointed pro-establishment lawmaker Ho Kai Ming as the new Undersecretary for Labour and Welfare. The Federation of Trade Unions members, ha, member has represented the Labour functional constituency in Lechko and was a member of the Kuntong District Council from 2012 until last year. The government says Mr Ho has ample experience in dealing with Labour matter, matters. The Chief Executive has also appointed a new political assistant to the Secretary for Financial Services and the Treasury, DAB member Julian the duo will officially take up their posts on Monday. The latest now on the coronavirus pandemic, Brazil has reported nearly 27,000 cases of COVID-19 in the past 24 hours, a new daily record. The country has now surpassed Spain in the total number of virus deaths, as the BBC's Katie Watson reports from Sao Paulo. There's no sign yet of Brazil's coronavirus outbreak slowing down. It now has the fifth highest death toll in the world and has yet again posted a record number of new cases, nearly 27,000 in one day. The total number of confirmed infections is expected to pass half a million in the next few days. But Brazil's president remains silent on the pandemic. These past few days, he's been more focused on a Supreme Court investigation, looking into allegations of fake news among his supporters a move that he said is politically motivated. People in Poland will no longer have to wear a face mask or scarf while outdoors from today as the country gradually lifts its coronavirus restrictions. For the past six weeks, Poles have been liable to a fine if not wearing a mask in public, even when running or cycling. From Warsaw, the BBC's Adam Easton reports. Poland's health ministry can't seem to make up its mind about face masks. At first, it said they wouldn't slow the spread of the virus. Then they made wearing them compulsory on pain of a fine. Now, as long as people keep socially distant, they don't need to wear them outdoors. They'll still need them in shops, during mass service and on public transport. The government says it has got the virus under control and there's plenty of spare capacity in the health system. The Portuguese government has paused lockdown easing in and around the capital after a number of localised coronavirus outbreaks. The BBC's Alison Roberts reports from Lisbon. At a cabinet meeting on Friday, the government decided not to allow shopping centres to reopen in Lisbon and the Tagus Valley and to continue to ban gatherings of more than 10 people in the region while relaxing restrictions elsewhere from Monday in line with the roadmap it approved last month. In recent days, Lisbon and the region has had 10 times as many new confirmed coronavirus cases as in the rest of Portugal, pushing national figures to a level not seen in three weeks. The situation is to be reviewed at a cabinet meeting next Thursday. 
Hong Kong reported 13 new coronavirus cases yesterday, all involving people who'd returned from Pakistan. To sport now, and more details are emerging of how the English Premier League is planning to restart matches. The first games are scheduled to take place on June the 17th, exactly 100 days after the last fixtures were played. Liverpool could be crowned champions just days later if results go their way. But it's, it's possible that the game against local rivals Everton could be one of half a dozen fixtures moved to neutral venues due to concerns that fans who won't be allowed into stadiums will gather outside the ground. Still, players are looking forward to being back in action. Here's the Brighton striker, Glenn Murray. I was one of the players to raise concerns before getting back into the return to training protocol. And I do feel during during this time, players and clubs have, have been listened to where we, we feel good to go back into the training grounds and, and resume training. Finally, Forbes magazine has removed the reality TV star and entrepreneur Kylie Jenner from its list of billionaires, accusing her family of inflating the value of her cosmetics business. BBC's Ian McWilliam has more. When Forbes magazine added Kylie Jenner to its annual list last year, it described her as the world's youngest self-made billionaire. Some critics questioned the self-made label, pointing out that her fame stems from having grown up as a member of the Kardashian family, who have a combined social media following of more than 500 million. But Forbes has now revised its view of her wealth. It says the sale of half of Miss Jenner's cosmetics business revealed that its value had been significantly inflated. Miss Jenner said Forbes' statements were inaccurate. The magazine now estimates she's worth a mere 900 million. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The security chief says he may set up a new department to implement Beijing's national security legislation. Officials here hit back after President Trump sets out his response to the new law and protests erupt across the United States as a police officer is charged with the murder of an African-American man. That's the news from RTHK. 5, 6, 7 a.m. Radio 3. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Rabelais, with you till 3 p.m. This week, we commemorate the upcoming 31st anniversary of the June 4th, 1989 Beijing Tiananmen Square Massacre in songs throughout those 31 years from Hong Kong, Taiwan, and the mainland. And as always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And therefore, the entire two-hour show is devoted to commemorating in Cantonese and Mandarin songs from Greater China, June the 4th, Tiananmen Square, Students and Their Massacre, starting with the most recent songs going back in time to 1989. So our first track is from Hong Kong's celebrated duo, Dat Min Yat Pai. Last year, they came out with the song, Wo Yik Yao Zui, Memory is a Crime. The duo, comprised of Lao Yi Dat and Anthony Wong Yuming, came out with a song last year in May. It was promptly banned on the mainland for the upcoming June the 4th commemoration. And Anthony Wong Yuming, who actually composed the song, performed it uh, at the Hong Kong June the 4th commemoration in Victoria Park last year. And uh, he was quoted as saying, in Hong Kong, we can still perform songs to commemorate June 4th, still say how bad the times are. That's what makes our work different from that of the mainland and Taiwan. The video, uh, of course, uses photos of the 1989 protest movement and the crackdown and the massacre, uh, finishing with uh, 
more shots of the Hong Kong Umbrella re- Movement of uh, 2014. The song starts off with a first track referring to a, an original song from Datming Yaopai in the 90s, also evoking the June 4th uh, without actually mentioning it. Mantin asking heaven, he says, in the old days we'd ask heaven and farther, if the candlelight is a crime, then we'll spend decades in the dark, even if memory is a crime, the truth will come out. Damiyapai, Wuyik Yaozai. Oh, yeah. 